SPD, or what's known as sensory processing disorder. What is it and how does it differ from ADHD? Thank you for joining me on episode 53 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, hoping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. And I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular Midwest girl trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today's guest is me. So really no guest, you get me today because I wanted to talk about sensory processing disorder as we just wrapped up our series on ADHD, there are times when sensory processing disorder and ADHD get mixed up. And as a mom of a boy who has SPD, I wanted to talk about those differences and just share a little bit of our story and make sure you stick around at the end because I want to make sure I get you information on my new book that is coming out next month. The Real War on Women, Overcoming Culture's Lies So You Can Freely Live Out Your God-Given Purpose. Rachel Jenneman back with you, and it's just myself today. We did an, an ADHD series. We did had five different people come on and just share their ADHD stories, whether it is an ADHD mom trying to raise ADHD kids or whether it was someone who was just never diagnosed and is now realizing in later into their adulthood what their ADHD was like or whether someone running a business. But I wanted to talk a little bit about SPD, something we don't hear about very often, and it stands for sensory processing disorder. And as we talked a lot about ADHD, sometimes people get ADHD and sensory processing disorder mixed up. And this is something that really I had to educate myself on not not too long ago. My youngest son, who is going into the fourth grade, When he was going into kindergarten, we kind of just discovered this whole new world of what sensory processing disorder is. So uh, he was an easy baby. My son, Jace, was easy. I mean, he did the whole being up all night kind of thing, but he was really calm. And that always scared my husband and I because we thought, oh, well, maybe he's autistic. Maybe something. There's got to be something wrong. Like, no baby is this calm. But he was. He was a pretty calm baby up until about a year old. And as he started to walk and crawl and all the things, he was just exhausting. Everything he did was exhausting. And he constantly had to touch everything. I had to monitor him. Monitor him when we were in the store and he was in the cart. I always had to put the cart in the middle of the aisle because if I had it on the side, he would reach out and try to touch everything and and really try to tip the cart over. And he was just... All I can explain is that it was hard and exhausting. And I know that there are a lot of moms out there that are that are saying their kids are hard, that they're exhausted. I get it. I've been there. But this was more than what I was used to, because even my other two were very difficult as toddlers. But this was a different hard. And it was just every day I wasn't looking forward to being a mom. Like, I just hated being being a mom. And as much as I loved him, I loved him because he was my son, but I really struggled with liking him. And I'm just being real. I'm just being honest because I know that there's other mothers out there that probably feel the same way. And you feel guilty. You want to like your children. And this kid is beautiful. He is so sweet. He has just got such a a great heart. 
but there was a part of me that just couldn't stand him. I loved him, but I couldn't stand him. And then when it was time for kindergarten roundup, I was so excited because I thought I am finally going to get a break after 12 years of being this kind of sort of stay-at-home mom, I was so ready to have all three kids out of the house so I could maybe clean a little bit or maybe just have some sanity throughout the day. And we went to Kindergarten Roundup. And probably a few days, maybe a week after Kindergarten Roundup, I was waiting in the carpool lane and the kindergarten teacher approached me and she said, hey, I just, I want to have um, some time to talk to you about your son, Jace. And she said, I was just concerned because he doesn't he didn't know his shapes and he didn't seem to recognize his ABCs. And I just I didn't think that was an issue because my other two children in kindergarten did not know their ABCs or their shapes either. Like, that's what kindergarten is for. I then had a meeting with her and the principal and they shared with me that they thought it would be best that my son wait a year and go into preschool. Well, preschool is incredibly expensive. It was more expensive than sending him to kindergarten. And two, I just felt in my heart of hearts as a mom that he needed to go to kindergarten that fall. And I am one of those people that I am a firm believer in holding a child back if needed, if it will benefit them. But there was something inside of me that said that will not benefit my son. And I just said, hey, I'm going to try it out. I want to try out having him go into kindergarten with this. They said, well, we're going to put him on a six week trial period to see if it will actually fit or not. And that saddened me because I really wanted him to go to school every day. Every day we would drive down the road and he would say words and he would spell them out and he'd say, Mom, what does that say? And he would get so excited about school and he just he wanted to learn so badly. And I knew that preschool was not going to give him what he needed, what he wanted, because his mind was going a million miles an hour. And I was often asked, hey, does Jason have ADHD? Because he's he can't sit still. He's so hyper. And I just was like, no, he's just a boy. Like, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just a boy. And that's what boys do. Well, as time went on, we finally entered him into school. And I had to explain to the teacher that the, one of the reasons why my son didn't know his ABCs, he knew the song. But to look on a piece of paper and see the letters, it didn't go into his mind that that was an A. If he saw an A on the piece of paper, that that just didn't compute with him. I had to physically give him a block that was shaped as an A for him to recognize, oh, that is an A. Like, I had to give him things to touch because he was such a touchy kid. And as the school year began, so did the phone calls so did the emails of Jace constantly touching kids, not being able to sit still. He was getting into people's faces. He was a lovely child. He was sweet. But meeting with the kindergarten teacher and the principal, they felt as though if he went into preschool, he would learn to stop touching kids. And that just seemed off to me. Not that they were off, but with Jace, that seemed off to me. Finally, I received a phone call from the superintendent, and I'm not going to explain what happened, but something not so great happened at school, and I just was blown away that my son had done what he had said. I couldn't believe it, 
and I was really angry with him. I picked him up from school and I, as the mom, kind of suspended my own son. This was a Friday and I said, you're not going back to school on Monday, which crushed him because he loved school. But I was so upset over this incident that I kept him home and I went to work that Monday. I was children's pastoring at the time and I just was having a rough day. And my friend who was the bookkeeper at the church, she was in our staff meeting and she was actually um, she's actually a teacher by trade. But because she had been staying at home with her kids, she uh, wasn't she wasn't teaching. She was doing bookkeeping. So we sat down together and she said, Rachel, I hate to, she's like, I, I don't want to tell you this. But I need to. She said, there's something not right with your son. I don't know what it is. She said, but he doesn't need to be held back. She said, I agree with you that he does not need to be held back because I see how incredibly intelligent he is. And there is such a desire to learn. But there is something not right. He doesn't need to be held back. He needs help. And I really encourage you to take him to the pediatrician. Just get him checked out. Does he have autism? Does he have ADHD? She says, I don't see that in him. But she said, it is something. And because I've worked with children for so long, I can tell when something's not right. Just the way he's not making eye contact, the way he talks to people. Please go get him checked out. So I called the pediatrician that day and I made him an appointment and the pediatrician, he said really what I had expected. And that was there's there's nothing there. He said, I don't see. And he this was my pediatrician when I was little. Right. So this guy was not fresh out of medical school. This had been a man who had been practicing medicine for a really long time. And he said, I do not see autism or ADHD. He said, in the way you're describing your son and the way I was describing him, I was trying to take the teacher side, but he said, the way you're describing your son, he is smarter than my granddaughter who is in first grade. Like he's doing more at his age than what I am seeing older children do. So, of course, then I'm more confused than ever. And my friend, the same one who told me I needed to take him into the pediatrician, sent me an article over Messenger. Now, you have to understand, I had been doing as much research as possible. What is going on with my son? And I think I watched every TED Talk on ADHD. I had read as many articles as I could on Pinterest and there was nothing. Like everything that I watched and read about ADHD did not match my son. The only symptom that matched my son was that he he, had, he was hyper and he, he, he had an impulse. He was impulsive. Like that was it. The kids slept well. He could focus like there was so much that didn't line up with ADHD. So I knew that didn't match. And she sent me this article titled sensory processing disorder. And she said, look at this and see if the symptoms fit. And I am I'm reading this article and I'm going check, 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 just everything aligned the way he thought from the way he touched everything from the way he moved and I started researching more and more about what was called sensory processing disorder and there was a part of me that was ashamed that I had never heard of SPD before because I was a children's pastor I prided myself in knowing 
everything about ADHD and autism and all the things so I could help the students in my kids' church. And this was something I had never heard of before. So when I called ISD to bring in all their is to review my child, that was what I handed them. I said, listen, this is what I think is the problem. This is what's going on at school. This is what's going on at home, just how different he is. And these are the symptoms that we're seeing. And they were so helpful. They were thankful that I was advocating for my son and they were all about trying to help. And I didn't understand that because I thought, why are you thanking me? Like, (laughs) I think my son needs help. And it took me a while to realize a lot of parents that ISD works with, they want nothing to do with hearing that there's something wrong with their child. And I get that. Like there is a grieving process that happens when there is something quote unquote different about your kid because you realize that maybe the dreams that you had for them are are not going to happen. You know, whatever. I, I don't know. No parent wants to hear that their child is different. And but in my mind, I thought I have to do something to get my son help. And my friend who had given me that article, she said something so profound. She said, Rachel, I know you don't want a label on your son, but you have to remember a label gives you power. A label says these are the resources my child needs and you are required to meet them. So anyway, going back, ISD comes in. And of course, I'm so nervous and I was so grateful that my husband was there. So we're sitting there with the principal, with the teacher. And I'm nervous because I feel like the teacher and the principal think I'm crazy. I feel like they just think I'm nuts and I am like that quote unquote mom that's just trying to push her kid through when really I was trying to advocate for my son because I know that all the experts in, you know, in the classroom and everybody were saying one thing, but I really felt strongly as this praying mom, something completely different. And so I hated being that mom, but here I am with my husband, with the teacher, the principal and all the is, and I'm explaining everything to them. And the teacher, you know, brought out the paperwork, the same paperwork that she had showed my husband and I a while back of what he is not doing in the classroom. And then I show them the paperwork that we have done at home. And I say, but I give my son this and he does it. So I don't know if it's environmental. I don't know what it is, but I know he has the intelligence to do it. I know he is ready for kindergarten because he is doing it in the classroom. I know he is ready for kindergarten because he's reading at home. So then the psychologist said, okay, what we're going to do is all of us are going to observe him in class. And I want to say this was probably October, November. It wasn't until February that we finally were able to gather together for an IEP meeting. So here we are again. I am so nervous and we're surrounded by the table and the the psychologists, everybody, they're so they're so nice. They're so wonderful. But once again, you don't want to hear what's wrong with your child. And so they're telling me all the positive things about him because that's what you do. You share the positives first before the negatives and the the paperwork. It was just this huge, thick stack of papers that explained Jace and the fact that his they I mean, they pretty much came to the same conclusion I did that. Yes, your son has sensory problems. And I'm going to explain what sensory processing disorder is, what the symptoms are here in just a little bit. So if you're kind of in the dark, don't worry, I'm going to get there. But they really they came to the same conclusion that I did. 
And there were a lot of resources that they could give me, even though my son was in a private school. But then there were some that they couldn't get me because he was, quote unquote, not severe enough because my son only had SPD. My son did not have ADHD. My son did not have autism. So even though the number one thing he needed was occupational therapy, he did not qualify for because he wasn't severe enough because he had did not have ADHD or autism. If he had those two things on top of SPD, we could have easily gotten him occupational therapy. So it was one of those things where we had to outsource. He was able to get physical therapy along with speech therapy provided by the state. And then I took him to the hospital once a week for occupational therapy to be able to really understand his body more. And as time went on, I just did everything I could could to keep in communication with the teacher. And again, I was scared because I'm like, I feel as though I have defied the experts. You know, I have gone against everything they've said. They probably hate me. They probably think I am just this mom that's trying to push their kid through. But really, I was trying so hard to partner with them because I knew what was best for him. It wasn't the fact that he was just too immature or the fact that uh, he wasn't smart enough. It was that his body needed something that it wasn't receiving. And after that IEP meeting, I remember walking out to my car and it's the dead of winter and I get inside and I said, God, I am so angry with you. I am so mad at you right now that we have to do this. I hate dropping my son off at school every day. My stomach in knots. I hate feeling the way I'm feeling, but I thank you. I thank you because I know that you have a plan and you have a purpose and I don't know what that is, but I thank you. I'm not happy to thank you, (laughs) but I thank you because as a Christian, as a pastor, I knew what the Bible said. I knew that in Philippians, it says that we are to thank God in all things, no matter what we are to thank God. And I did not know why I was thanking God, but I knew I had to. And it was in that moment that I started to fall in love with my son for so long. I I, I loved him just because he was my son. And that's really as far as it went. But I started to see him for who he really was. And that was that he was created unique on purpose, that he wasn't he wasn't a bad boy. There wasn't something wrong with him. He was just created uniquely and different and my job as a mom, his, my, my husband's job as a dad, it was our job together as Jace's parents to say, okay, how can this be best used for God's glory? Because I know coming from a kid's pastor's point of view, I know that whatever the most annoying thing about your child is, it will be their greatest asset as an adult. So I said, okay, Lord, I thank you. This is going to be an asset someday. And I thank you. And that is when I began to fall in love with my son. And I did everything I could, like I said, to just really try and communicate with the teacher, with the principal about what was going on. And as I started learning about sensory processing and about his body, I'm learning what his body needed and what it was not receiving. So there was one instance 
where Jace was in the cafeteria and he was sitting next to one of the kids at lunch, all up in the child's face, touching, touching the child and he shouldn't be. And Jace was put in timeout during lunch. And I don't blame the the staff for doing that, because honestly, if I were on staff, that's probably what I would have done, not understanding. But as the parent, I realized my son wasn't trying to be naughty. His body needed something that it wasn't receiving. And so when you take a sensory processing child and you put them in timeout, what you're essentially saying is, I know your elbow itches, but you are not allowed to scratch it. In fact, you're going to get in trouble and be in timeout because your elbow itches. And once again, I don't blame anybody. It's just, you know, everything was a learning curve. I made sure that my son had the weighted blanket for nap time. Weighted blankets were huge for him. He had a weighted vest that he wore. Uh, My son was chewing a lot. He would come out to carpool and he'd be chewing on his his jacket. He'd get in the car and he would chew on his seatbelt. So I got him a chew necklace. I got him um, uh, weights that I put on his pencils for him to be able to write better. I had a thing called an aniba which is what you would put at the bottom of their desk. So when he had that urge to touch something, he would just go and he would be able to touch it at the bottom of his desk. So you walked into the classroom and you know which seat was my son's because it just screamed sensory processing disorder. (laughs) And finally, near the end of the school year, I think the teacher was happy to see him go. (laughs) But what the struggle was with Jace is near the end, at home, I could sit and I could read to him. He would listen very intently and he could read back to me. He could read what we were doing, but he wasn't reading in school. There was just so many things that he wasn't doing. And we had, my husband and I had a meeting with the teacher and the principal at the end of the school year. They said, yes, he graduates into first grade, but there's going to be some stipulations and boundaries, all this stuff, because sensory processing was still very new to them. And at the end of the year, I said, you know what? I think I'm done. I am going to homeschool him first grade. I had never homeschooled before. I just thought, you know, if he's reading for me at home, but for some reason he's not reading at school, I don't know what is happening. So I'm going to take the year. It's just one year, just one year. And I'm going to, as a mom, I am going to try and figure it out. And that is what we did. I brought him home. He wasn't happy. Because he loved school. He wanted to be in school. But I brought him home and we would cuddle on the couch for however long. And we would read books for whatever subject that we were studying that day. And we did all the math and all the science. And we we did the best that we could. And I'm actually really grateful that I brought him home because what I discovered was one of the reasons why he was struggling with reading at school, but yet doing okay at home was that he has dyslexia. Would we have found that out if he had gone to school? I don't know. Maybe we would have. But at least we found out now when I had him at home and I decided in second grade that I was going to send him back to school because I knew the teacher. I My other son had had her before and she the way she did her classroom was in a sense like a Montessori style. And I knew that Jace would thrive in that environment 
So I asked to meet with her a couple weeks before school so I could just explain what sensory processing disorder is and all the things. Well, the principal came in to that meeting and I was so nervous because I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? So I sat down. I explained my son. I explained what sensory processing disorder is. I explained what works with him. I explained everything that we were doing in occupational therapy and the principal said, okay, but he's on a six-week trial period, so we'll see how it goes, which then, of course, made me more nervous, and, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, but the second grade teacher, she said, you know what, I think this is going to be the perfect classroom for him. I just knew that I could hand her my son, and she would say, all right, let's do it. Let's rock and roll, and that's exactly what she did, and I would get updates from her And just that one year, I think, of keeping him home. And I'm not saying that if your child has SPD, that's what you have to do. That's what we did for our family. And I think it was what was best for our family. It was just one year. But I think that one year to be able to take that time out, educate him at home and really focus on his therapies was huge. Because by the time he got back into second grade, I mean, I gave that teacher a box of all sorts of tools to help her. I mean, a literal box of tools to help him. She didn't need to use any of it. He didn't even use his chew necklaces. I think at that time in second grade, he was starting to realize social cues. And I think that he knew if he used that chew necklace then it was going to make him look weird with <laughs> with all the students in his class. So he just really kept a lot of his sensory stuff under control. Plus, with that occupational therapy, he learned how to use his body more. And then by the time he went into third grade, his teacher was the very person that told me I needed to go get him checked out, that gave me that article about sensory processing, that told me, that was just my lifeline was the person that was listened to me cry for so long, but yet was the one that said he does not need to be held back. He needs help and you need to figure out what is going on because something's not right. That person ended up being his third grade teacher. And what was crazy was after a while, I had mentioned something about his sensory issues and she says, oh, wow, I completely forgot that he has those because he does not show it in the classroom. And that was a huge victory for our family. And we had worked so hard. And I can tell you people would would be like all amazed at what I was doing. And they would call me super mom. And I'd say, you know what? Super mom, super tired. I don't want to be super mom anymore. I just want a normal kid, you know? But it was through that whole process of everything we went through, advocating for my son is what made me fall in love with him. What made me understand what was going on with his body that he just he wasn't exhausting just because he was naughty. But no, his body needed something. So now that you've heard a little bit of my story Let me explain the difference between ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, the difference between that 
and SPD, sensory processing disorder. They're, they're, um, I'll give you the, the symptoms for both, but they really overlap. That's why it's important to know the symptoms of each one so you can differentiate between the two. Now, you can have sensory processing disorder and not have ADHD or autism. However, if you or someone you love has ADHD or autism, they most likely have some sensory processing issues. And before we get into it, let me just explain. All of us have autistic, ADHD, and sensory issues. All of us do. So just because I list some of these symptoms doesn't necessarily mean you have it. But I think it's important to know that just because you don't like tags in the back of your shirt. I hate tags. I hate tags in the back of my shirt. That is a sensory issue. But that doesn't mean I have sensory processing disorder. You know, my son is more on the hyperactive side. That does not mean he has ADHD. So let's go into the symptoms. The symptoms of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, being unable to sit still, especially in calm or quiet surroundings or situations, constantly fidgeting with your with your hands, with your feet, being unable to concentrate on tasks. An- another symptom is excessive physical movement or, a, or even excessive talking, being unable to wait your turn. Acting without thinking and interrupting conversation. Also, another symptom is sleep. A lot of that, that's actually one of the number one indicators for me. So when I was a children's pastor and some a parent would come to me and they would express maybe their concern that their child had ADHD. One of the, the first question really I would ask outside of their hyperactivity and unable to focus was how was their sleep? Because so many ADHD children, their brains are just going a million miles a minute and it's really difficult for them to sleep. And I know a lot of parents with ADHD children that give their kids melatonin or specific medications just so their bodies will go to sleep. And I remember uh, I side note one time when I was children's pastoring and I would do a yearly retreat and all the kids would stay the night at the church and it was so fun. And we had one girl with ADHD and she did not take her medication. And so even though kids tend to stay up late when they're having this big retreat slumber party together, this girl was over the top, could not sleep all because one of her ADHD, but two, she did not have the medication she needed. So now that we've kind of given you just a small synopsis of ADHD, and again, I want to reiterate, just because you have one or two of these symptoms does not mean you have ADHD. Now let's go over the symptoms of SPD, sensory processing disorder, where ADHD has more to do with the lack of dopamine, the hormone, the reward hormone that goes through a person's body. Sensory processing disorder actually has more to do with your senses. Now we learned in school that there are five different senses, hearing, smell, taste, touch, and sight, but there are also two other senses that are not taught in school. One is the vestibular system. That is how we sense where our bodies are 
in the space that it is in. There is also the pro-perspective system, and that is the sense of the way our bodies move. So there are actually seven senses, not five. So here are some of the symptoms of sensory processing disorder. Thinking clothes feel too scratchy or itchy. The lights maybe seem too bright or maybe not bright enough. Things can sometimes be too loud. Maybe they can't even block out certain noises. They think soft touch feels too hard or maybe they're constantly touching and they need more of a touch sense. They can experience food textures that really bother them and that make them gag. They can have poor balance or seem clumsy. Maybe you see them on the swings and they just need to constantly be on a swing and being on a a, a swing or the monkey bars actually calms their body, not hypes them up. So these are just a few of the symptoms. There are a lot more symptoms. And because all kids are different, there are going to be different symptoms. But let me tell you the the two different types of sensory processing disorder. So there is hypo-sensitive, and then there is hyper-sensitive. So the hyper-sensitive is when the senses are just too much. Like you are getting way too much of the seven senses coming into your body. So a hypersensitive person maybe walks into a room and there are lights that are completely normal to the rest of us who are neurotypical, but a hypersensitive person cannot stand those lights. I have a friend whose daughter is hypersensitive with her sensory processing and just light touch hurts her. She cannot stand too much touch. Now, my son, on the other hand, is what we call hyposensitive, which means he is not getting enough sensory input. So we actually have to create ways to give him the input he he needs so his body calms down. That's one of the reasons why in kindergarten we discovered why he was touching kids so much. He needed more touch in order for his body to be stimulated. So in the morning, what I will do with him, even in fourth grade, we do this. I wrap his body in a weighted blanket and I hug him and I squeeze him just so he has that pressure in the morning to kind of last him throughout the day. The tactile touch is the biggest one for him, but he also, his his proprospective and his vestibular sense are off. So remember what I said, prospective sense is the sense of the way your body moves. My son does not walk like maybe a neurotypical child would. I mean, for the most part, he has learned how to regulate his body. And so there are times when he doesn't walk like he normally should. But in the past, his body was all over the place because he wasn't getting enough uh, with his proprospective sense. He could not figure really out how to move his body. But his vestibular sense is also off, which has to do with your body space. So I think his tactile and his vestibular are the biggest. So when he would be around kids, he just really didn't understand the sense of the bubble. You know, how people, especially us Americans, we like our bubble. We don't like to be, to have people up in our space. Well, because his vestibular sense is off, he doesn't get that. He doesn't understand what is too close for comfort, comfort, what is further away. So when he had physical therapy, he had to have a chart, a colored chart to show him, okay, this is how close you can be with your family. This is how close you can be maybe with your extended family, grandma and grandpa, that type of thing. This is how close you can be with your 
friends, with acquaintances, with strangers, so on and so forth. And he really, it's something that he's had to learn. He doesn't still fully, like his body is not really in alignment. So there are times when I have to say, Jace, I need my bubble. And that's probably one of the number one phrases that we say in our house, Jace. <laughs> we need our bubble because his, his pro perspective sense is off. So maybe this sounds familiar to you and you say, wow, these are some of the things that my child is doing. They have poor balance, they're clumsy, or they're constantly smelling things, or they're super sensitive to smell. I have a friend whose child has sensory issues, and they figured it out because when he was little, he constantly would bite. He needed something in his mouth to bite, and what he was doing was biting other kids. So I told her, you need to get a chew necklace. And that was something that we had for my son, too, because he would be chewing on his mask or he'd be chewing on the seatbelt when he'd get back into the car or his coat. And so for a while, we had a necklace. Now, he doesn't use a necklace anymore because he's now in school, uh, going into school and, and getting older. He realizes that he doesn't want to look different from the kids, but he's kind of got that under control. And now as a fourth grader, as some as a kid who's nine years old, he understands his body a lot more than what he did four years ago. So now, like this morning, I had him wrapped up in his weighted blanket and i just asked him i said jace what does your body need right now and he told me it needs cuddles so he is getting what his body needs and that's just something that even my husband has learned to ask him when we see that his body is off the charts that maybe he's moving in ways that he shouldn't and he is bouncing up all over the house we just ask jace what is it that your body needs right now Sometimes it just needs heavy weights. I've told the teachers, hey, if you're doing library day and all your books are in a basket and you have to take them down to the library to get returned, make him take the basket. Just having that extra weight helps regulate his body. We learned early on in physical therapy, swings did not work for my son. Some people or some kids having those sensory swings is wonderful for them and it calms their body it revved his up we actually called it his car when he was little we would say jace where's your car right now is it just right is it too fast is it too slow is it just right and there were times that it was obvious to us we knew that his car was too fast but we wanted to ask him so he could understand where his body was so he could recognize it and then after a while he he would tell us he says my body's too fast right now Okay, so then what does that mean? What does your body need right now that we can help with? So again, if you are feeling that your child is experiencing sensory issues, I highly recommend the book and I will make sure that I put this book in the show notes, a link to it. It is called Sensory Processing 101. It is written by a teacher who she didn't understand sensory processing disorder because she had never heard of it before and she never understood why some of her students would have specific issues until she had her own children who had sensory processing disorder. Then a lot of things clicked for her and what I like about the book is that not only does she go through all the different senses, she explains the symptoms, whether they are hypo or whether they are hypersensitive, but she gives the point of, she gives different point of, points of view. So she will give the point of view from the parent, how they're dealing with 
the child's sensory issues. She'll give the point of view from a teacher, and then she will also give the point of view from a therapist. And I highly recommend an occupational therapist if your state does not provide one for you, because our state in Michigan would not provide him with an occupational therapist because, like I said earlier, he didn't have autism or ADHD. He wasn't severe enough, even though that's exactly what he needed. That was the number one thing. So we had to outsource that. We did have to pay out of pocket for that. Thankfully, we had some insurance, but we took him to the hospital once a week for that occupational therapy. It is worth every single penny, I promise you, depending how severe or not severe your child is, it will be worth it, especially when you do it uh, a lot younger. And from what I have talked to, I, I haven't experienced this yet because my son has not gone through puberty, but parents that I have talked to, a lot of those sensory issues, especially if they get help early on, a lot of those sensory issues will kind of die down during puberty. Now, they'll always have sensory processing issues, but they'll learn how to control it because they've learned about their body. And like I've said before, all of us have sensory issues, whether or not we have sensory processing disorder or not. But as adults, we've learned to regulate it. If we know we are overstimulated in a room full of people, what do we do? We avoid going out where there's a ton of people. We as adults can can avoid certain sensory things that bother us where kids are still learning how to do that. So once they hit puberty, a lot of that calms down. One thing that I, that I did that I thought was really helpful was even though my son does not have ADHD, I put him on an ADHD diet just to try it. Because when you are working with any child with autism, ADHD, or sensory processing disorder, everything's trial and error as far as what what is going to work best for your kid. And autism and ADHD, there's medications for that. There's no medication for sensory processing disorder. It is something because it has to do with your your seven senses. It's something you are just going to have to learn how to adjust certain things in your lifestyle. And for us, we put him on a diet of no sugar, which was really difficult because I learned early on that everything has sugar. I could not believe how much sugar we intake on a regular basis everything and, and it's not just sweet stuff i mean you go and you get a cracker just a cracker that is not meant to be sweet but meant to be savory has sugar in it pastas have sugars in it dressing stuff again that does not need sweetness but has it in it so it took us a while to really narrow down certain things that don't have sugar and i was able to find peanut butter pasta sauce prego they prego like had just come out with a no sugar pasta sauce and yes you could tell the difference at first but we're so used to it now it's not a big deal my son does not like the no sugar peanut butter but that's what we use for him and now that he's older and he's learned to control his his sensory issues more i have said that during the school year, he is allowed to have brother and sister's peanut butter that has the sugar in it on the weekends. But during the week, he has to have, we call it the Jace Jace peanut butter because it is the all natural, no sugar peanut butter. But everything has, it, it could be gluten-free, dairy-free, grain-free, all organic, but it will have sugar in it. These foods, it may be organic cane sugar, but it's still sugar. And again, it took us a while 
but we finally found some items that we can use on a regular basis. His lunches are all foods that do not contain processed sugar all everything from applesauce to beef sticks to cheese raisins even even just getting dried fruit most of it is covered in sugar and then to find the no sugar fruit is way more expensive and it it is it has been a process for us and if you have any questions about sensory processing, please look at the show notes where I have put some links to be able to just just to look into yourself, go into it further, finding the differences between ADHD, sensory processing disorder, so you can discover if this is something that your child has. Also, if you have any questions, I am not an expert. I am just a mom who has gone through the ringer with my kid over this. I was just a kid's pastor who was so embarrassed that she had no idea what sensory processing disorder was. I am just a mom that has had to, in a sense, educate my child's teachers because they didn't know what sensory processing disorder was. So if you do have any questions, Please ask in the comments. I definitely would love to, if I can't answer them, I can at least maybe point you in the right direction. And if you are a teacher and you say, wow, this sounds really familiar of some of the kids, some of the students that I've had in my classroom, please grab the book from Amazon. The link is in the show notes, Sensory Processing 101. It's not just a book for parents, but it is a book to help teachers too. Because if you learn about sensory processing disorder, then you are going to be able to help educate your students so much better. And then you'll be able to also partner with your parents. They'll feel as though you are willing. I I can't express this enough. When I sent my son back in second grade and I just handed all of her the paperwork and said this is my son like she took that and she said this is going to be a great class for him like instead of seeing my son as a nuisance or an obligation she saw my son as an exciting challenge and she educated him the best way she could and she partnered with me on the sensory processing journey and i just yeah as a teacher i encourage you grab the book if you have any questions please leave them in the comments thank you so much for allowing me to share today thank you for listening to today's episode of the unique on purpose podcast i really appreciate you just listening to my story and just the journey that we went through and if there is anything that is similar make sure you go into the show notes and check out the different links my book the real war on women is coming out next month super excited about this make sure you're following me on facebook instagram tiktok for more updates i just released the cover a couple days ago the cover is absolutely beautiful it's better than i even imagined and a lot of people have asked who the girl is on the cover and it is my daughter it is you can kind of see a little bit of her profile but it is from behind and the book is not i want to specify this it is not a complementarian versus egalitarian book and there are tons of arguments out there between complementarian and egalitarianism there's also a lot of books arguing both sides this has nothing to do with it if you if that's the kind of book you're looking for this is not it this is a book talking about where god wants you to be not what anybody else says that you should be where god has uniquely 
placed you. And it has a World War II theme. So next week I will kind of share why it has that World War II theme and why I placed all of the war stories that I did inside the book. So keep your eyes open. October is coming. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify. So don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you next time.